This is the podcast Love, Blood, Sex, Death. As daughters of Venus, we're on a mission for 2020 and beyond to awaken more love in the world through intimate and educational conversations that shed light on our societal taboos. Those are the things that we all obsess about privately, but don't speak about publicly. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tanishka. G'day, darling. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, happy to be talking to you again. Um, I'm okay. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back for another episode. Um, I'm sounding a little bit flat because the topic that we're doing today is pretty darn heavy. So I just want to do a bit of a shout out, a bit of a warning at the top of the show that today's content is very confronting and it's explicit. Um, so not for little ears. Um, you might want to put in your headphones if, you know, there's little ears around. Um, but I would encourage you to stay with us rather than run away, run away, because it's really important that we bring uh, this taboo into the light of a global conversation if truth and justice are to prevail. So um, I was saying to Kristen, we've got a lot of content. I've done a lot of research for this episode, so we may run over the hour. I'm going to try and be as concise as possible, but, you know, want to make sure that we cover the subject, so to speak. Um, so one other little note I'd like to say at the top of the show is the, um, the name of this episode, Minor Injustice, is a play on words. Usually that would be major injustice, but this is about the injustices that are being done to minors. Um, and I want to just state that my view very clearly is not that this is not a minor injustice. It is beyond major, but um, it's being done to minors just so nobody takes offence. Okay, I think we're good to go. Um Kristen, do you want to say what was the inspiration for this episode about that law, the yeah. gag law? Yeah, definitely. Recently I stumbled upon um, on social media uh, the recent sort of attention that's being, that has been given to uh, a new law that was passed in Victoria that um, – victims of sexual abuse were not allowed to share their story publicly using their own name and um however that that law was passed in february we haven't really been hearing anything about it until august it started hitting the tabloids um the strange thing about it is that yeah it is a new law and it's uh it's a law that isn't new to Australia, it's new to Victoria and it's a law that um, women or, and survivors in, uh, in Tasmania have been trying to fight against for, um, for years. There's something called Let Us Speak, a campaign called Let Us Speak that uh, was started by a woman in 2018 in Tasmania wanting to change these archaic laws so that she had the right to speak to and speak about her experience without um, suffering any consequences. And Victoria's, um, you know, the sort of legislation, uh, the people who have kind of implemented it are saying, you know, it was there to protect victims so that journalists couldn't use names in tabloids. However, 
the law applies to everyone, including the victim, which doesn't really make sense. Um, and it also and- means they can't name the perpetrator. Um, so, and I understand that these, they actually face jail time if yep. they do that and yep. fines of more than $8,000. So that's a very big, let's face it, scare tactic. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> You know, I call this gag law silence of the lambs. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it really points to how um, the violation is continued in the judicial system, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like it's it's one thing to have somebody's rights um, violated, you know, upon their person, but then to have you know, injury added or insult to injury added by the way it is handled. Yeah. It just, it's a real flag as to the much deeper corruption in those institutions, which is something we'll be exploring today as well. I'd like to give her name, Nina Fennell. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, Funnel. But um, she herself was a survivor and is a journalist, so I dare say she's dedicated her life to to this um and you know what I found did you want to say anything else about that since I've kind of just jumped in yeah no that's go ahead keep going um there were um a few cases that she specifically um used to appeal this um and one was a, a woman who was raped and abused by her dad from the age of eight. And her dad actually murdered her stepsister. And he's now about to have the opportunity for parole, you know, to be out in the streets again, um, which I find just hard Crazy. to fathom. Yeah. Um, and another one of the cases was a woman who was a rape survivor and a disability advocate because she had been raped by her carer. And to me, this lifts a lid on a huge Pandora's box, which is targeting the voiceless. You know, those that are abusing power covertly, they go for those who they feel are easy prey or won't speak up, you know, and that includes the intellectually disabled. I remember... Uh, I knew a woman when I was doing stand-up years ago and she walked in on her husband molesting her intellectually disabled sister, quickly ending that marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know of another woman who was a neighbour of mine more recently who was molested by hospital staff when she was in an induced coma and she saw it all disassociated from her body, you know, mm-hmm. um, and had a hell time trying to prosecute and even being believed by, um, you know, the psychologist that she went to for support. So, you know, I mean, this is a huge shadow of the health and disability sector, mm-hmm. um, you know. So the idea of anything that puts a lid on um, the right to speak, I mean, having facilitated circles for over 20 years, I know how powerful it is when we hear each other speak our experiences, particularly the ones that have carried, you know, shame or uh, taboo. It helps us to process what happened um, and by bringing it out into the light. 
um, and having it witnessed, having our experience validated. So this is, you know, such a kick in the face to people that are trying to heal from right. this experience, yeah. you know. So, so yeah, very much so. Mm. I think I was, brought, yeah, sorry, I think you brought a really, really important fact into light just now with uh, people, perpetrators, sort of victimizing those that don't have a voice or don't have um any kind of power and that yeah there's a there's a there's a huge difference between um pedophiles and child molesters and sex offenders and I'll get into a little bit later on when when I go through the different aspects but it's really important to see that that some people do just when there's a, a potential to abuse power, they do it whether or not they're sexual, regardless of their sexual orientation. Yes, because it's about power at the end of the yeah. day, more than anything. And that's absolutely, I want to unpack that too a bit later on. Yeah. Um, I do find it interesting in terms of, again, the silencing though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this sort of stuff becomes more prevalent when it's in the shadows. Yeah. And so. You know, secrecy is a big part of it and um, the censorship that's happening on Facebook, for instance, Mm -hmm. they, um, you know, said that Save the Children, which is a hashtag for raising awareness about the global elite pedophilia rings, uh, went against their community standards and pulled the page and yet they kept up a page called Cute Boys, which shows you know, sexualized images of young male children. Wow. So, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, yeah. yeah. There's there's yeah. so much going on that because it's sort of permitted and prettied up and everywhere we see it, we it's it takes a discerning eye to see what is being allowed to be seen and what is being censored. Yeah, because we're being desensitized all the time, you know, like it's, yep. I remember in the 70s there was an ad on for Decoré shampoo and it showed kids naked in the shower lathering up and it's kind of like. (laughs) Right. You know, like when we look at that through the lens of what we know now about the extent of this problem, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. Totally. So I find it interesting the passing of this law, which as we're recording this is still in effect, okay, Um that it's happening while we're in the middle of a stage four lockdown here in Victoria with a curfew um, that's just been lifted from eight o'clock at night. We have to be in our homes to nine o'clock. And my 17-year-old went down the street to buy a drink at quarter to nine last night and had 18 police cars pass him within a 300-metre walk to the shop and back. So they are really trying to police it, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I just find it, first of all, symbolic, given that we're uh, wearing gags, you know, these the masks (laughs) that um, are, you know, um, being imposed upon people again with the threat of fines if you don't wear them, even though the World Health Organization has now acknowledged asymptomatic people cannot transmit the virus. But um, 
I find this law very, very timely that it was passed quietly before these curfews and lockdowns because there is a growing number of claims, which I'm sure you're aware of, already aware of, about the fact that this curfew is happening is not to prevent the spread of a virus, as David Icke said in his address to the London Freedom Rally about the curfews. He said, so what, the virus has a watch? You know, it's like, <laughs> well, it's eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking funny. But that more healthcare workers and military personnel are actually speaking out that the curfews are part of this global military op to rescue children that have been held systems beneath many major cities and these kids uh, particularly in Australia a lot are brought in from East Timor reportedly and from Thailand but then many others have been bred specifically um, and never seen the light of day bred for the purpose of pedophilia um, amongst a couple of other things which we won't go into in this episode but I personally have seen private video footage shared from a woman's mobile phone of a medical tent city with, you know, uh, loads of ambulances and um, uh, police uh, on the Hume Highway in Melbourne's north, which was set up at night. That footage was taken at 10 o'clock at night when the 8pm curfew was first introduced. And that footage mimics the footage I've seen of another medical tent sort of rescue centre that was set up in Central Park, New York, um, which, you know, the the line was, oh, it's, you know, to treat COVID people, odd that it's in the middle of a park, right? But, you know, this um, footage showed that there were, um, you know, beds, set up and they had images of emaciated children's limbs, you know, sort of extending out from health workers in the shot and also huge bulk shipments of lollies (laughs) that had been donated to the rescue effort, which seems odd if it's a COVID thing, right? Mm -hmm. But um, what first made me aware of this was that great documentary series for the cabal created by the Dutch... um, woman Janet Ossebard, which if our listeners are interested, they can watch free on YouTube. And her claim that the wall erected between US and Mexico was in fact to limit the trafficking of children, um, not a racially motivated strategy, which is how it's been portrayed by the cabal-owned mass media. Um, but, yeah, there's a one of the women who's named in that as a survivor, Fiona Barnett, um, with the Australian elite pedophilia ring. She has released a free book called Eyes Wide Open, which names Hillsong Church, which is, you know, that huge um, evangelical franchise of churches uh, here, as well as, you know, various politicians and celebrities um, but as and I think this kind of evidence is that in Australia this year we've also seen the biggest pedophile ring to date get busted. It was called Operation Arkstone, and the arrests that were made were part of a national operation um, where the Australian Federal Police Assistant Commissioner um, Lisa Gale made this plea to parents on the news. She said. Um, 
you know, please don't turn the volume down and walk away. We need you to listen. We need you to be vigilant because child exploitation is becoming more prolific. The victims are getting younger and younger and the offence being done are more violent and more brazen. So, you know, it's kind of like all the pieces of a jigsaw piece coming together showing this is happening, you know. Um, and, And when I shared about that, you know, someone on my page commented, yeah, interesting, the, the languaging of the reports, you know, MSM Channel 9 said they didn't use the term pedophilia and they they used the term underage mm-hmm. instead of children and sex rings instead of pedophilia. So it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so subtle but it's it's trying to downplay right. what it actually is, you know. Right. And keeping us all sort of just in the dark, the more you know, the the more censored and the the less information we have, the less empowered we are to create any kind of change, you know, at, at a grassroots level. If we don't think these things are going on, then we don't make it a priority to look out for it and make sure it doesn't keep happening. Bang on. And uh, in August, so only last month, um, the. Uh, I'm speaking as an Australian in Queensland, uh, one of the other states, um, the Labor Party actually voted against creating a child sex offenders registry um, that would name predators and protect children. Um, So there's, you know, there's this kind of push me, pull you happening. And, you know, we're seeing evidence of the cracking down and the dismantling of these elite pedophile rings Uh, In Europe, Germany uncovered a major pedophile ring with 30,000 members. This was the result of a nine-month investigation uh, on the 11th of July. That was in the news. Um, The BBC reported in May this year 50 children had been rescued uh, with an Interpol investigation um, that they, you know, came across through a website on the dark web and the arrests were made in Thailand, Australia and the U.S., um, but that site has 63,000 users worldwide. And more recently, uh, end of August, on the 29th, US Marshals found 39 missing children in Georgia. So, you know, it is, we can see, um, you know, that it's, you're kind of having to read between the lines between what's being claimed, the work that's being done by independent independent civilians doing their own investigative journalism mm-hmm. and little pieces that we're seeing come out in the the news reports right yeah um there was something else I shared with you in terms of it all coming out and I do see it as a good thing that it's all coming to light it's like a boil you know it's all got to come out so it can be healed um and there's a website called the Child Protection Party. And on July 24, they announced that a handbook for pedophiles had gone online. And they make the claim that, you know, they've done an in-depth study into psychology to help advise pedophiles on, you know, how to um, do what they do without harming children as if right. that that act doesn't harm a child on all levels of their being but 
Um, other advice included targeting children of single parents and mm. emphasising the need for secrecy using code words so that if a child does start to talk about it, it will all sound like a jumbled up mess because they're using code words trying to speak up and then not being believed, you know. Right. Have you had any... No, I, I mean, no. until you shared that with me, I'd never heard of anything like that. I feel like, you know, someone who I've had uh, the pedophilia in my family um, and so I've been extremely aware of the dangers. My mum was very diligent with informing me on everything I needed to know and keeping me safe. So, you know, I kind of had tells to look for from her and I've always been super aware. So it was Jessie. Jessie's mum was really diligent with telling Jesse when to be careful and yeah someone tried to tried to steal Jesse when Jesse was young and I mean I never I don't remember ever getting anyone getting close to me um as I was so closely monitored but you know being aware of how detrimental it is and how prolific it is and how common it is from a very young age I you know I never questioned that it could be that it could happen anywhere and with anyone however I feel like I was very oblivious to, you know, I, I was so aware of it on a personal level, but I was so oblivious to how uh, how deep it runs and how um, how much power is abused. Like I sort of just understood the, you know, the the fact that family members and other people in power, close to people, could, um, you know, essentially abuse their power. But I didn't really understand the fact that uh it was like a, a a thing that you know sex slavery you know I didn't really f understand that people were taken and used and as sex slaves especially as children I'd never heard anything beyond my sort of limited experience until I remember reading an article and and about a, a, a young girl being promised a job in Australia and then um, coming from Thailand I think she was and she was picked up in a van and taken to a, a brothel and she just she lived there and serviced 50 or so men a day and oh, yeah, yeah and you know someone went there and knew something was off like a, a client and sort of and told on them and they got busted and I was like okay fuck like I didn't realize this was happening in Australia Mm -hmm. And then I met a, a woman who shared with me that she, her father was a, a part of a pedophile ring and her and her sister had been a part of it. And, and that for me was like, and, and they were very powerful men and they were in the, I think in the banking system. And I was like, oh fuck, like the things I've heard about in so-called yeah. conspiracy theories are actually really really real and I need to kind of start extending my research and opening my eyes so and likewise I've known women who've uh fathers have been very high up in banking right. and um they were also you know used in um pedophilic sex wow rituals and things yeah, yeah. so um I've known a few women actually so uh, you know likewise for me it stopped being conspiracy theory 20 years ago right. you know and um yeah I think that thing when you have a personal experience of it you know you kind of you feel you owe it to them too to help yeah be an advocate for them totally. you know because it's so brave I mean one of these women was so terrified for her life to speak you out know, 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, she had to change her identity and everything. Um, There is a woman called Karen Brewer who's been very vocal on Facebook exposing pedophilia in uh, the Australian uh, parliamentarians, but she's uh, moved to New Zealand for her own safety. Um, There's an amazing video on YouTube. If the listeners want to type in why isn't this shown on mainstream, into YouTube and they will see Bill Hefferman uh, who oversaw the Legislative Committee Senate into Legal and Constitutional Affairs in 2015 concluding on the findings of the Royal Commission into Pedophilia in Australia and it named 28 high-ranking officials including an ex-Prime Minister of Australia and um, high court judges, you know, the lawmakers basically, and their names have been suppressed for 90 years and nothing's come of it. It's all been completely suppressed so they're continuing to, um, you know, act. And one of these judges, you know, it's an amazing video, he says the judge while proceed, while, presiding over a a court hearing, actually said from the bench that the law wasn't up to date, that um, we needed to legalise sex amongst siblings and between adults and children. And he is still practising as a judge in Australia, right? scary. So, oh, fuck, really? So, um, you know, the point he makes, and I love this quote, he says... Bill Heffman says it isn't so much the secret that's the problem, but when the 28 people listed on this page keep each other's secrets, that the institutions become compromised. And he called for the disgusting, these are his words, disgusting culture of our institutions to be cleaned up. And that's the thing. It's the churches, the charities, social welfare, police, the judiciary, politicians, these are the organisations and the structures that are there to keep people safe that are not ensuring the safety of the innocent. They are themselves complicit in the abuse. Right. So, you know, this is why um, even uh, former Royal Commissioner James Wood, who denied the existence of a VIP pedophile network in Australia, was himself named as a VIP pedophile by the Royal Commission. So that's it just goes up to the the absolute top of the pyramid. Um, And, you know, I, I for one, I mean, we're all doing a bit of watch and wait and see at the moment as to how all of the circus that has been 2020 will resolve. But I, for one, am very, very hopeful and optimistic that um, as much as he's not, you know, the hero we'd like to have, but that Trump is, um, because he was not funded by the cabal and had the money to run as an independent, was approached to be the one to bring down this global pedophile network that has compromised the integrity of institutions worldwide. You know, whilst I'm citing cases from Australia, it is certainly not limited to Australia. So whilst, you know, I've always identified as a Greens voter and, you know, Mm -hmm. someone that would never endorse a right-wing candidate or whatever, um, at this point, anybody that has the balls mm-hmm. to, 
stand up to the cabal has my vote, you know, not that I'm an American, but, um, you know, that's why I'm so happy to be presenting this information today in this episode because if anybody listening is residing in America, there's going to be a lot of propaganda slandering him in the bill, in the lead up to the November election and um, uh, a lot of, um, you know, this, what we're discussing today is certainly not going to make mainstream news. Right. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts you want to add on that? For that? Yeah, for that little piece, definitely. I remember when Trump was elected in and one of the, like, I mean, I'm not, I don't follow politics just in general. No, it's a, just the, the, the government and my brain don't work together. But when, uh, when I heard about him, the, one of the first things I heard was something to do with some Saudi princes or some princes somewhere that were, yeah, in the middle, middle East, um, being brought down for pedophilia and that piqued my interest as like pedophilia essentially has been one of the reasons why I've been interested in studying sexology and wanting to create change and wanting to empower people and I was like what this person who looks like you know however Trump looks has done something that positive that quickly and then I never really heard anything about it again I never really heard that aspect and I found it really strange and I was like whenever I would sort of bring it up with people here and there they didn't know what I was talking about and I was like okay like maybe I totally misunderstood uh, or misheard um, what had happened but yeah after speaking with you and hearing from your research uh, yeah I mean I, I feel I feel like if that's one of the things that he's either passionate about or using to gain interest either way it's something that really needs to be done for a healed society so it's um yeah and look i'm not saying he's the bee's knees on anything you know i mean i'm as you i don't follow politics but in terms of bringing down the cabal which is the shadow government and if people are oh you know what's happened to the moon woman she's become a conspiracy theorist um, there is a chap called Kevin Ship, double P. He's an ex-CIA um, agent who worked within the shadow government who is speaking out as a whistleblower. People can search for his video talk where he literally maps all the different intelligence agencies that make up the shadow government um, that is a global um, organisation. So, you know, this, this is real. It's not theory. Um, in fact, the term conspiracy theory was created by the CIA um, to discourage anyone from questioning mm-hmm. uh, the narrative about mm-hmm. um, John F. Kennedy's assassination. So, you know, it is used to discredit anyone that questions. Right. Um, so uh, also here in Australia, we have something called the Safe Schools Program and I know of parents that pulled their children out of school and homeschooled them when this program was introduced. And it turns out the deputy director of the Safe Schools Coalition has been advocating for pedophile rights since the 80s. What? <laughs> yeah. His name's Gary Dowsett. And um, he says, we have, this is a quote, We have three legal social questions to win. 
custody rights for gay men and lesbians, the legal right of pedophiles and their young lovers, and finally the sexual rights of children as a whole. (laughs) So this is the guy that was brought in to create a safe sex uh, educational program which has been rolled out in Australian schools, you know, Um, and, I mean, I've got other quotes here that are just, you know, fuck, Mm. make your skin crawl. Mm. Um, But, you know, uh, I think in a way we're too trusting. We think, oh, the government's, you know, um, got our best interests at heart and there's no way they would, you know, introduce something that's not... um, good for us so it's going to be a very rude shock I think for a lot of people to realize just how compromised um, our institutions are you know and ultimately you know in the big big scheme of things I see it as part of our initiation to wake up to become Mm -hmm. sovereign to become conscious mature um, critical thinkers you know I, I see it all as part of the divine plan but you know, we've got to look at this rather than, you yeah. know, put our hands over our ears and dismiss right. anyone that's saying something that's uncomfortable as a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, there, were, there was a book, the first book that was commercially published to really spill the beans on the power elite pedophile ring in the US called The Franklin Scandal. And the news organisations that attempted to cover the story were suppressed and some of the reporters killed um, in mysterious circumstances. And the source for that information is a website called the Millennium Report if people want to go and do their own fact-finding mission there. Um, And then also the Podesta emails that were leaked by Wikilinks in uh, 2016, which... um, showed uh, a lot of emails between um, the Democrats, including Hillary Clinton and Obama, and uh, this owner of a pizza parlour in Washington that had really awful artwork by the owner's brother showing children being sexually and physically abused, you know, as these huge murals in the pizza parlour. And pizza is apparently a code word for pedophilia. Um, And whilst the cabal-owned media has totally dismissed it as fake news, I saw some analytic stats um, from Google that show that the fake news um, that was disseminated throughout the internet actually was released a few days before the Pizzagate scandal broke. (laughs) So they... Do you know what I mean? It was yep. a preemptive. Right. So, yeah, but another kind of flag for me is the owner of this uh, pizza restaurant, uh, Comet Ping Pong, James Elephantis, was ranked as uh, amongst the 50 most powerful people in Washington in GQ magazine. He was number 49, but still a fucking pizza shop owner. How right. is he most powerful? Like. That guy knows stuff. He has secrets. He has blackmail on people, obviously, just like Jeffrey Epstein, you know, and that's that thing. Like it's it's not just the heinous acts being done to kids. It's about 
how they're keeping it in the family, covering up for each other and, yeah, the abuse of power is, you know, so endemic. So, um, yeah, uh, there's another painting by um, an artist called Arrington Arrington Dioniso, as in a play on Dionysus, the god of ecstasy and debauchery. but it shows I've actually got the image in front of me. It's horrible. It's two adult women naked with their genitalia glowing red, holding dismembered heads of children that have blood running down their necks. Like Whoa. what is that doing on a pizza place wall? Right. Do you know? And yet all the media is saying, oh, it's fake news. It's fake news. It's like, I'm sorry, but the evidence is staring us in the face. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If that's fake, I'm a turnip. Um, yeah Um, and something else I came across someone just shared it with me on social media there's an organisation called NAMLA the National Association for Men Loving Minor Loving Adults and that's been running since 1978 and Trump shut it down Um, they've been you know um, lobbying for the normalisation of pedophilia so those things like that don't make it to the mainstream right. media. In fact, the opposite. You know, I saw a Google whistleblower uh, just this week speaking out. If anyone wants to see that, it's on my Facebook timeline. They can look up Tanishka Tantrika. And this whistleblower, he goes through and details how they censor, like the specific tactics, and one of them was how they used to take out words and letters from Trump's tweets so they didn't make sense so he'd look like an idiot so you know from the horse's mouth there (laughs) you know right anywho um but to me all of this just shows that as a culture we've lost our way it's more about the love of power than the power of love and it's the end game of our cultural distortion around sex And, you know, before the patriarchal rise of the empires, um, sex was always considered sacred. It wasn't seen as something naughty and dirty and forbidden and guilty pleasures. That's all the distortion because we, you know, due to the sort of monotheistic dogma introduced by the patriarchal religions, we had this split in our psyche between being sacred and being profane and because of that 2000 years later it's at a point where it's unfathomable you know um so yeah i just i remember as a kid growing up and seeing how rough the kissing was on the screen kisses in hollywood you'd see a man grab a woman by the shoulders and just like press his mouth on hers like there's nothing (laughs) fucking sensual about it all like that was pure dominance and submission being constantly anchored as the cultural standard it's like that that was being sold to us as passion and ever you know violence and and sex go hand in hand in the programming that we've received but um, I remember as a kid in the 70s watching Benny Hill who I absolutely adored have you ever heard of Benny Hill? I have, but I don't know anything about who they are. He's a guy, oh, he's in the past now, but he was 
classic clown, but he only ever played the one character, which was this lovable lech who was permanently on heat chasing women. And I, when I was doing research for today's show and I was looking up the word virgin, I came across a Benny Hill joke, which I will share with you. I may offend, but um, the distraught pretty girl in this sketch says, I've lost my virginity. And Benny Hill says, do you still have the box it came in? <laughs> Just like, and you can't not love him because he completely owns his own lascivious pan archetype. But, you know, as a kid, I was watching that it was normal to see women objectified running around in their bra and panties by a guy that was so fucking... <laughs> out of line you know there was never any talk of how to set boundaries and right. you know and, and um, how to um you know spot a predator but um today it's more insidious i mean we're seeing sex used to sell just about everything so that our psyche is saturated with soft porn images from a young age just normalizing it 100 percent, and i feel like I remember watching a really, really great TED Talk by a supermodel, Cameron Russell, who shared pictures of herself on a screen of uh, as of herself at 14 years old with her grandmother and then a photo shoot that weekend or in, in the same timeline um, dressed up on the cover of a, of a magazine and she looked, you know, so totally different. She didn't look like the little... Um, sort of girl in puberty um, on knobbly knees with her grandmother she looked like uh, what we see commonly in magazines and it's we're being indoctrinated into being attracted to and thinking it's okay to glamorize uh, the youth and so many people would be attracted to these 14 year old people without even realizing that that's not normal that's not that's one aspect of sexuality that is considered a paraphilia um so and, and we don't oh, even know what's happening I mean I remember as a mum you know going up to the staff at the service desk in Kmart and saying why are you selling French knickers with Dora the Explorer on them <laughs> you know? right and them looking at me like I had two heads you know right. it's like you just feel like you're in a sci-fi Right. And I, I saw online today in August last year, 2019, um, McDonald's in Japan came under fire when they released a range of transparent plastic drinking cups that when stacked showed the children touching each other on the genitals and giving oral sex. And they claimed it was an ex- accident, which it's kind of like, you know, trying to just get away with it, yep. you know. It's it's almost like flirting being more and more brash, more and more risque and overt with can we get away with it, you know, like a child because it's yep. immature. It's pushing the boundaries all the time. Right. It's funny you um, say brash. I just It just made me think of Bratz dolls. Oh, thanks. Oh, frick. You know? I used to write on the party invitations for my child, please do not gift a Bratz doll right. or a Monster High doll yeah. and um, couldn't stem you. that. You know, it yep. just, and wow, in terms of aspiration figures, mm-hmm. horrendous. I mean, they look like junky streetwalkers that would do anything to get another hit, i.e. turn a trick, you know, right. and then go back to sitting on their milk crate. Just appalling, absolutely appalling. 
Um, there's a I really want... beautiful um, sister who who changes the Bratz dolls, takes off their makeup, and um, calls them tree change dolls. They're... I've seen them. You've yeah. seen them? Yeah, they're awesome. Which I think we're going to have to do that for this, you know, younger generation once all of this is fully brought out into the open, then we've got a big journey of healing to do because there's been so much anchored Mm -hmm. into their psyche subliminally, you you know, um, from uh, self-harm being sexually arousing to, you know, I mean the video clips of Katy Perry and, you know, all these young women in bondage you know and gagged it's like and this was on you know saturday morning video hits with kids eating their cereal in front of the tv i mean Mm -hmm. there is a lot that you know we're going to have to um assist this younger demographic to heal from but first we've got to look at ourselves and i i want to just touch on the etymology of the word virgin because i see this as the absolute key to shifting things and in the ancient world the word virgin was a priestess a sacred woman a vessel a woman unto herself okay so she was considered spiritually chaste she couldn't be bought she couldn't be sold she couldn't be compromised or she wouldn't prostitute her values because she had made her pledge to serve spirit right yeah Fast forward to the Roman Empire and that word becomes about a young girl who is sexually chaste and then that becomes a commodity where people then want to possess that as a trophy. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember seeing when I was still a child, God knows, my mother showed it to me, the film Pretty Baby starring a 12-year-old Brooke Shields who gets sold as a virgin fucking prostitute. Whoa. I remember her being brought out on a fucking platter. Like it just burnt Whoa. this image into my, you know, retinas. So, you know, we only see the etymology in dictionaries going back to, you know, 1200 AD because everything before patriarchy is just completely suppressed and distorted Mm -hmm. but this distortion of us seeing sex as wrong and unholy and impure creates an appetite for illness as a way to unconsciously purify oneself from the inner conflict of desire and shame that perpetrators feel which creates a vicious cycle and you know, I've done a video masterclass about it, which if people are interested, they can check out on my website called The Sacred Power of Sex. It's part of my initiation series. You can go to themoonwoman.com for that. And I speak about this. I speak to the fact that, you know, until we can acknowledge that we aren't as a culture in right relationship with sex because we have not been initiated into the mystic wisdom that helps us to contextualise sex from a sacred perspective so that there is no inner conflict, there is no shame. Um, We're going to see this proliferate, this pattern, you know. Thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, studying the science of sex in sexology has been fascinating and 
we've definitely, you know, looked at how different experiences have created different desires and um, and how the oppression of sexuality in general is oppressing us in all aspects because we've always got our genitalia on us. We always, every cell in our body has the potential for orgasm. We mm-hmm. There's studies showing that we do uh, touch our genitals in our womb. You know, when we're old enough, we yes. touch our genitals because we are being beings of pleasure. We go towards pleasure, away from pain. But then we have this heaviness of, of sex being bad, of sex being wrong, of shame, of guilt, of it being a sin to self-pleasure. The head a, trip. Such yes. a head trip. And so, yeah, as you said, it becomes so distorted and we find different ways that we can still access our pleasure um, even though we've been told it's so wrong. And, you know, the generations before us even more so, but our generation is still you know, I still work with people younger than me that have shame and and guilt surrounding feeling pleasure in their body. Mm. Um, And, you know, so the word, the term paraphilia relates to any kind of sexual um, attraction or desire or, or need or want that um, is sort of outside of the norm. And when I work with people, you know, I try not to I try not to, uh, you know, it's really important as a sexologist to not judge anyone for their sexuality and and what experiences they have and they want to have. The only thing that I, I, you know, I, I, I sort of enforce and is that they're safe, sane and consensual experiences. So the list of paraphilias are really, it's really, really, really long. None of them are a problem if they're safe, sane and consensual. None of them are a problem unless they become a disorder. So when it's a disorder it's like it causes trouble to the person it causes trouble to another person or it becomes a problem in the relationship or there's no way to experience pleasure without it then it's a disorder but if it's something that's a curiosity or something that's a desire and something that feels good then it's not considered anything bad if it's not hurting anybody it's just another expression of pleasure of sensation of of life and so um you know, one of the things that I feel that keeps us in the dark and things sort of swept under the rug is that people, you know, the difference between pedophilia, which is a paraphilia, and child molesters who act on it and sex offenders who take, uh, you know, take abuse their power and take advantage of powerless victims. You know, they're three very different things. And, you know, there are people who experience um, pedophilia who go their entire life not ever acting on it they, you know, some of them may never act on it and find a way to, you know, they may be attracted to, to adults as well and they just ignore this fact of their sexuality. Some, um, it might be a disorder and they can only, they are only aroused by this aspect of sexuality and they'll either seek help, which is very, very hard. It's something that almost no one could ever admit to or they trick themselves and lie to themselves and find a way to, you know, yeah, they, they create confirmation bias by speaking to other people with the same paraphilia and they create a reality where they think it's okay. They make yeah. it okay because it's that's too painful way. to acknowledge it's, that they're not okay. Exactly, that it's a that it that it's a, an illness. It's a it's a pathologized illness and it's it's very and it's very common. And so, you know, we've got the people who will never act on it, the people who um, don't have to act on it because they still are attracted to 
adults as well and then the, there are people who do act on it and convince themselves it's okay and then there are the people who act on it who know it's wrong and bad and they're sometimes the most dangerous because if they do act on it and they think it's bad and it's wrong then that's oftentimes when a child will go missing and when uh you know they'll try and hide the evidence and mm-hmm. um you know and then they'll do they'll just keep so it's there's there's a lot of there's a there's a huge issue here it's one of, there's yeah. a huge spectrum and there's there's no sort of there's no help and uh, well there is but it's really hard to access so you know age attraction specific age attraction is called chronophilia so it's when you're attracted to either children pubescent uh, prepubescent pubescent postpubescent um adults middle-aged people or elderly so that there are there are all different mm-hmm. categorizations um so and infantophilia is is less than five years old pedophilia Oof. from five to uh prepubescent i didn't know that 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 okay was yeah thank yeah. you yeah no problem um Hebophilia is pubescent. Febophilia is postpubescent, so still quite, you know, when when there's like the, they're not hit adulthood yet. Um, Teleophilia uh, is when we're attracted to adults. Mesophilia is middle-aged adults, and um, gerontophilia or gerontophilia is elderly. So that's fascinating. I don't know about the other listeners listening to that, but I'm like never heard of any of those terms. Yeah. You know, and I've been sexually active for decades. And it's just like, fuck, we're so ignorant, aren't we, about sexuality. I mean, and when we consider teen for the last seven years on Pornhub has been the number one search term. Right. um, You know, the fact of the matter is we are living in a pedophilic culture. 100%. You know, it's one thing to vilify, and I'm not for any moment sanctioning the work of fucking Jeffrey Epstein, but right, you know, so many are seeking that out, yeah, privately, you know, right. in their own bedrooms. Oh, by, yeah, so, their so computer. Many. Yeah, you know, I had an ex that confided in me, he felt incredible shame that his porn addiction had taken him down a, a wormhole of. Uh, once looking at you know a gangbang of a cheerleader that was underage you know right. and he just felt incredible remorse and sickness about it you know and right. that conflict with right. again the desire and the shame and you know it's again when when the sacredness is not something we're initiated into being inherent in our sexuality when we come of age that um people are only stimulating the bottom energy center and so they're looking for more and more risque dangerous naughty you know um bad things to do to get a bigger ego hit you know and so much of it is about degradation and humiliation um which you know when you think about i've got some stats here says um, teenage girls are more likely to actively seek out porn than women who are over 25 Um, and that puts them more at risk of sexual assault. Um, What is it? And the 50 most popular porno videos that were bought 
and Rented found 88% of the scenes contained physical violence and 49% contained verbal uh, aggression. And 87% of the aggressive acts were perpetrated against women. Um, And again, when we say women, a lot of them are actually probably teenage girls. Yeah. Um, and not in those cases, 95% of their responses were either neutral or expressions of pleasure, which is basically that we are educating people, we are teaching people that women find violence pleasurable or children find violence pleasurable. Um, and this Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Chris Hedges, who also happens to be a Presbyterian minister, Um, He says it so well. He says, porn glorifies our dehumanisation of women. And again, I'd put in their children. Um, Mm -hmm. In his 2015 essay on porn, he argued it commercialises rape and torture and caters to an increasingly jaded market of men chasing more and more violent depictions of women being brutalised by men. Or in this case, it's become about children because it's it's like it's vampiric. It's about consuming, mm-hmm. you know, consuming the flesh, consuming the energy, um, you know, getting someone else to fully submit to your power and getting off on that um, is, you know, the slippery slope that so many are on. And it reminds me a bit of the myth of Athena where her dad, Zeus, literally devours her and her challenge is to break free from her father's control and his view of her, which I think a lot of people listening who are the survivors of um, incest or of non-consexual sex when they were a minor would relate to this idea of, that person devoured me and now I've, I need to try and individuate from, you know, because I, I don't know about you, but I I can look at someone and go, I'm pretty sure they will have been abused as a child sexually for two reasons. One is they'll be leaking sexual energy and be acting out in a very coquettish way as if, that's their value, that's their worth, Um, or that they're holding their body so rigidly that they're not, it's like they're locked up, there's a secret, there's shame locked up, you know, they're not relaxed, they're not moving in a way that's easy, you know, and fluid. What what are your thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's presumption to make but jump yeah no I I appreciate your your perspective I feel that yes oftentimes my my the thing that I notice more is um I feel mannerisms and um but more more of uh self-love and self-worth and um maybe more of a characteristic the mannerisms, more of like character characteristics of somebody, and um, yeah, sometimes like a, a need to prove that they're lovable, or um, 
Yeah, and and abuse in general. I'm sort of speaking to not just sexual abuse, but abuse of children. I've I've seen, yeah, when as adults, there's definitely um, a sort of a breaking of the spirit and yes, and certain characteristics that I see and and you know, and some people that have done a lot of work on it, I I I wouldn't ever know. And then other people, sure, kind of sense like maybe some some kind of atrocity has been done to this person as they've been young because I can see they're in a child hurting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of mobbing my my. I mean, experience. I um, had a job when I was 19 for a few years proofreading police interviews, so I would listen to pedophiles that were brought in for their Q&A by the police. Right. And they would, by and large, when they finished the interview but the tape was still running this is how old it was we're using audio tapes um they would break down and cry right and share how it had been done to them as a child and so you know um it just highlights how important healing this is rather than you know the pitchfork right carrying crowd you know demanding the head on a spike because it's only through the healing that we stop the endemic, you know, the punitive justice system, putting them away and then letting them back out again. That just, that doesn't do anything, you know, it doesn't rehabilitate, you know, it just helps people to feel safer in the short term and justified, but it's not actually healing the problem. And I feel like, you know, if we're if we're partaking in a culture that is letting it happen, we're we're each somewhat equally responsible. Uh, you know, not that mm. not mm. as not as responsible as a, a perpetrator, but as each other to speak to well, why is this happening? How can we change it? Not sort of look the other way until yes, when it we happens see it. in our own backyard and we go, oh fuck, like this is happening and this is happening to our children as a global human family. Yes. Why, why is this happening? And looking at our own sexual oppression and how, you know, it has led to our own paraphilia, paraphilias and how we can heal those. And when I, when I speak to people, like for me, I've got sort of a smorgasbord of sexuality that I enjoy and sacredness is a part of it. But I've got, I've also got my own fantasies and fetishes and paraphilias that I've found ways to explore, um, that are healthy and and, and yes. work for me rather than feeling shame about it and then act, operating from the shadow, which is what we're seeing um, being done. Be, being done, yeah. So we've all experienced sexual oppression is led to unhealthy sexuality for many, if not most, if not all of us. Shame around our sexuality and was you know it's resulting in unhealthy use of porn when there is a healthy use of porn. Um, unhealthy exploration of fetishes and fantasies when there is a healthy way Um, you know for me I had an experience when I was raped and I had an orgasm while I was raped and I had no idea that was possible it's called arousal non-concordance and it's very new yeah go on yeah and so that was really confusing for me and then later you know as I I, that was early in my sexual experiences in my sexual career and when I later started having these um uh, something called an infidelity fetish where you know that happened when I had a partner I was raped and had an orgasm so I had associated Mm -hmm. being touched and pleasured while having a partner as 
extremely pleasurable to the point where I would be um, you know, unable to move because I would be in pleasure. And so this is another thing that sort of spurred on my sexual education is because I was like, well, I can't do this because it's hurting people. Um, yeah. It's not healthy. How can I explore my own sexual wounding um, in a way that I can still experience pleasure? I don't feel shame about it. I can talk about it. I can learn from it. And then I heal my own little sphere of sexuality. The people that I meet don't get hurt by me and my sexuality. And if we aren't all doing that, how can we expect, you know, other people who have sexual oppression and unhealthy patterns to do it? Thank you so much. I just adore you for, <laughs> you know, being so vulnerable and transparent and sharing your own journey with that because, you know, God, we're all the walking wounded, walking <laughs> each other back home totally. and acknowledging the sexual dysfunction Mm-hmm. Um, is part of that journey and it is about responsibility. So thank right. you so that we harm none, mm-hmm. beautifully put. You know, it's very easy to take the the moral high ground and vilify other people rather right. than go, okay, we're all interconnected. What's my piece? If I look at healing my sexual shadow, right. then I'm helping the collective to heal. Right. That's 100%. beautiful. And it might be something really simple like, I feel yucky when I touch myself. Well, what is that? You know, it doesn't have to be as extravagant and elaborate as my my healing journey. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've got a lot of resources on your website if people are listening going, fuck, where do I start in taking responsibility? <laughs> and so um, Kristen's website will be on the outro for the show. Mm, perfect. Um, I wanted to make a point too that... Um, I see the getting back to, you know, the safety of children mm-hmm. from adults that are not taking responsibility for healing their own unconscious um, sexual mm-hmm. wounds being enacted. Um, I see the fertile ground for the abuse of children when parents assume a sense of ownership towards their children. So they then feel justified to assert power over them because they're a possession. Mm-hmm. It's like I can treat them there however I want because they're mine. Right. Which means uh, also taking out their frustrations on them, you know, emotionally, psychologically, through verbal abuse. Yeah. Again, it's a slippery slope. If someone feels that sense of entitlement, it's not, a huge leap to then go, well, I can touch my kid, you know, right. if I'm needing to boost my, you know, yep. sense of power or endorphins or yep. whatever. Yep. So it comes back to not acknowledging that our children are sovereign beings in their own right who have innate human rights, birth right. rights, um, and it's summed up, I think, absolutely beautifully by the poet Cahil Gibran, whose words of wisdom on the subject of children I want to share with the listeners. And it's very quickly, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts for they have their own thoughts. Isn't that gorgeous? It's amazing. Love him. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, if you haven't read The Prophet by Cahilga Brown, um, 
do get yourself a copy. I was lucky enough to be gifted two copies for my 21st birthday. So that's how Universe introduced me to Kahilga Brown. So, um, look, I see that we're, we're past our, our time. Is there anything, I mean, I could go on. I've got more stuff from the research that I unearthed that's just bah. Mm-hmm. So do you want to keep going? I've got a little bit, yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe this one will be an hour and a half then. Sounds good. So in, I went to Greece last year and I was in Athens for the first time, you know, going to the Parthenon to Athena's thing, uh, temple. And in the gift shop there was a book called Eros. And I'm always up for a book on love and sex. Um, <laughs> my favourite genre, really. Um, and in this book, it talked about how pedophilia was legal in ancient right. Greece. And, you know, the Greco-Roman culture are the values of our modern-day culture. You've only mm-hmm. got to look at, you know, the monuments of Washington and our parliamentarian buildings. Mm-hmm. They look like fucking Greek and Roman temples you know so in that culture it was perfectly fine they for a male mentor to have basically a bum boy to sodomize who was his pupil Mm -hmm. and the olympic games was born out of that culture Mm -hmm. where it was only um you know boys that were allowed to um, compete and only men that were allowed to watch and the boys did the sports naked and they literally collected their sweat as a ritual offering to the gods right <laughs> I mean you know people today that are going yeah we're going to the Olympics they have no <laughs> idea that from. they are charging up this ritual of the shadow elite you you know I mean it's it's so insidious in our culture right um now you've got a book on helping kids know their boundaries do you want to talk about that for a bit yeah definitely I've got on my website in the kids book section under freebies there's a few different books but the one that I feel that is most um yeah, it's perfect for this topic. The reason I created it is to empower our children um, with knowledge and information on their body and their boundaries, how, what words to use, um, what to say, what to look out for, how to know, like to know like uh, that it's okay to say no, that knows a complete sentence. Um, it's just a really simple book. I was asked to write in Bali for... Um, an organisation in Bali that works with uh, child sex trafficking. Um, so it's now currently being translated, but at the moment it's in it's available already in English and um, it's, a, it's a picture book so you can just flick through it with your kids to teach them the traffic light um, principles in there. So red, orange, green, green, it's okay. Red, it's not okay. Orange, it's if you don't feel like it's okay, then just say no, you know, really basic but really helpful and then it also names all the body parts it's really important thank you yes that we teach our children what body parts are what so that you know they're also the 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 safe and the unsafe zones and um and naming them so that if anything ever does happen to them and they need to um communicate communicate especially in court that they can speak to 
what's happened to them or if they're at daycare and they or if they're in your care and they need to tell you what happened they don't say my foo-foo or my you know down yes. there it's like down where, where my no-no there. square yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um it's really important just in legislation um to have accurate names for the different body parts so they're they're all in there as well um in a I easy love way it. to sort of share and read because it is and what age group roughly would you suggest that book for like? uh, my friends are already reading it to their children and they, the, their kids are like two so from two till till whenever I mean I feel like I actually feel like adults will be able to learn how to have boundaries from that book so hello yes because if if we haven't learned that we've never learned that yep. yes exactly yep. if we didn't learn it at that age yep. when it was appropriate um also for the older kids yeah um my 17 year old who I know you know had a chat with us and I'd love to share some of this with the listeners that on uh, social media, there are certain symbols that mm. pedophiles used amongst themselves so they know that they're in the same club. And one is of a little monkey. Uh, I saw another one today of a mother goose with a rainbow flag hanging out of its mouth and also birds. Um, so just to educate your kid, if someone wants to befriend you, well, I'd say if you don't know them in your physical world, you don't befriend anybody, but, um, you know, uh, so many kids are targeted and groomed, um, on social media. And I know, you know, my 17 year old has had that happen, um, from God. I remember someone saying, here's my number. I'm, uh, Justin Bieber, give me a call, you know, (laughs) And, you know, they're so gullible, bless them. Mm-hmm. They're so trusting. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you don't know, right. you know. And so, um, but my um, son is into cosplay. And for people that don't know what that stands for, it's costume play. So dressing up as, you know, your favourite characters and then role playing, right. And that's really big on a platform called TikTok, And what's happening there is a lot of kids are sexualizing characters that are, you know, three, four years old in the cartoon, but they're aging them up and having them play out in sexual ways. So um, I'm not sort of suggesting that people lock their kids away up in a tower or a turret and don't let them on apps because then they're going to just rebel in ways that are dangerous Instead, we need to educate our kids on what to look for with potential dangers and how to respond appropriately rather than trying to shelter them indefinitely and keeping them naive and in the dark. We actually put them more at risk. Right. Um, but, yeah, have you got thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like what – and just bringing it back to the age thing, like, you know, it's really important for us to understand that the reason why uh, – it is it is not cool to date someone even if they're a little bit underneath the legal age and still considered a minor but almost an adult is that our brains are still forming at that age we are still not fully formed adults which is why children and 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 people in adolescence are unable to give consent they are you know consent means that we 
uh, you know, we're not inebriated. We are, you know, of sound mind. We haven't had any kind of substance um, changing the way we think and and make decisions. Um, and the same is true for, for children and, and pubescent, prepubescent, post-pubescent. I remember when I was 17, even when I was 18, I was making really dumb decisions that I would never do now. And so... I think, I think that one's universal, Christian. You know, you know, we're, we're all still growing. Our brain isn't fully totally. developed yet. We're taking risks we would never take because we can't understand the consequences. So if yes. you're, you know, it, the, for the people out there that may be listening to this and sort of questioning like, well, well, you know, where is the line, that blurry line of like someone looks and acts a certain age? It's like, yeah, but that doesn't, that the, the, the fact that they, aren't fully formed yet is that you're conversing and making agreements with someone who can't make fully informed agreements so you know they're not in the safe sane and consensual umbrella that is necessary for all sexual acts to be okay well said well said and I think you know uh because of how much kids are online you know you can't police them 24 7 right um, and I saw a post recently that showed a child was being targeted with inappropriate ads and went to show their parents. And when the parents were around, the ads didn't come up. But as soon as the child was back in front of that computer on their own, the ad came up again. Right. And that to me speaks to, you know, just covering the camera. Right. So that right. they can't use facial recognition mm-hmm. to target underage people because yeah there's just uh, you know the stuff we don't know that we don't know you know and people that are good people they their minds don't think of these things that are horrible yes exactly you know so you know it's it's not just the naivety of the children but the naivety of the parents which is why these conversations are so important like even good god the shit that i found in the research for this like i would never have thought a panda was anything to worry about right but it turns out are you aware of this no i don't think so so pandas they um celine dion brought out a line of kids clothing where she's got a panda's face right covering the genitals and the ass and showing a child bending over as if they're presenting. I remember the Simpsons episode where, you know, Homer Simpson is in a panda suit and he trips over a rock and the zookeeper says, oh, she's presenting, and then the curtains close and you hear him getting raped by a male panda. Well, who knows if it's from the Simpsons episode, but now there's a whole thing of clothing brought out where children are um, shown in clothes that have pandas in sexual positions and one of the reasons, oh, this is just heinous, that when a child is entered that the blood vessels burst because of the pressure around their eyes and I actually saw a photograph of a little girl, you know, normally what her face looks like and after being abused sexually and the eyes swell up like a panda. They are literally huge and purple and bruised with b- broken blood vessels. So now this is beyond despicable, but just the awareness. If you see a kid wearing a fucking panda thing, 
that's a flag, right? You, you know, or you know, people posting stuff with fucking pandas and children. Um, there's another clothing line by a woman called Caroline with I N E Bosman B O S M A N, and the pedophilia that's being promoted in the ad campaigns. I mean, just one image was a child on a mattress on the floor with her legs spread. She probably looked about six next to some live chickens. Now, something else I discovered today that the term chicken lover is a slang term for someone who loves underage sex, i.e. with a spring chicken. Other images in her fashion range selling children's clothing has kids in hospital beds but in every shot, you never see the kid's face. They've always got their heads down turned. Oh, I've seen thin. that. Have scary. you seen Yeah. Fucking jeez. Yeah, where they've got their heads kind of down and there's like. Yes. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Their faces are With covered. black caps on. So yeah. So you never see their faces. There's like so it's latex. Like, it's like anonymous sex, you know. Yep. It's like yep. they've lost their humanity. Yep. They're just. Yeah, I've seen that. Something for you to project upon, you know. Really, really disturbing. Yeah, and, you know, um, my 17-year-old was saying to me, because he's part, he's trans, and so, you know, he goes to the Pride marches and he's, you know, really proud to be part of the LGBTQ community and told me that there is a push for pedophiles to be recognised as part of a legitimate sexual choice in that LGBTQ community, then they're calling themselves MAPS, M-A-P-S, which stands for Minor Attracted Persons. Right. Which I'm sorry. No. I'm very happy for, you know, lesbians, gay, bi, non-binary, gender fluid, trans, you know, adults making... Uh, conscious choices about their own gender identity and preference, yep. but you cannot then no. include somebody who is violating yep. the rights of a child. Yeah, it's, in that. it's uh, you know, it's like taking any of the paraphilias and suddenly making a, a flag and a, an acronym for it. It doesn't, it doesn't actually make any sense. It's just trying to normalize something that is not okay. Uh, I came up with my own um, acronym, uh, PUG, which would be psychologically unwell and willing to get help. Oh, I love it. Because that is naming it and owning it and showing that they're willing to get help um, surrounding, yeah, potential, potentially a sexual uh, experience that is it can damage lives um, and even end lives. So, how lovely to start affirming those people. Yeah, do you know? Yeah, rather than yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on was the age of marriage around the world. Yeah. Uh, because there seems to be blurred lines when it's amongst family members. Like apparently in Italy, you can marry a family member like your cousin if you're 14. In Iran, it's girls as young as nine. Right. And even in America, in certain states, Massachusetts being one of them, they allow girls as young as 12 to get married 
with the consent of a judge. Yeah. That to me just shocked me yeah. sideways. Right, that it's Were happening. Were you aware of that? Yeah, yeah, I, I had spoken with a Persian um, classmate once on it and, again, it comes back to the, you know, we were, she and I were talking about, you know, it's there in, in some parts of the country that she was from. Uh, some of the tribes, people were still marrying at very young and, well, the females, sorry, the males were old and the females were young and, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it comes back to consent. It's like, again, it's not operating within consent. These people are children, you know, and they're taking, being mm. taken advantage of and they can't give consent to marry somebody. So how is it, how is it not a, a crime against humanity? Oh, God, absolutely. Reminds me of those young women in Africa that end up with fistulas, you know, right. unable to control their bowels right. because of being married off as children and, yeah. you know, the um, the damage to their bodies. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing that we're getting close to the hour and a half mark. I've covered every piece of sordid fucking research that I did for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you've got? on your platter over there yep. that you wanted to offer up because I'd love to. Yeah, just a couple of things I feel like, again, mm. shining the light on how prevalent um, it this experience is, this abuse of children is and things that we can do moving forward. Um, so, you know, the statistics um, are that one in three girls are sexually abused before the age of 18. One in five boys are sexually abused before the age of 18. Of course, we don't know. Those are huge. Those are huge and, we, and it could be it could be more. We don't know. Not everybody is coming forward and sharing their experience of sexual abuse. Um, almost 70% of those are reported to children under the age of, by children under the age of 17. Um, 90% of of the child sexual abuse, the victims know their perpetrator. So that's usually by someone that either a family member or someone that the family trusts. Mm -hmm. Um, 20% are under the age of eight. Um, 95% of the the science and study that has been put into how to prevent uh, sexual abuse is through education, education of parents, education of children, yes. and, and education of, of perpetrators as well. Um, and there are uh, moving forward. That's a good point because yeah. with with porn, you know, resulting in, um, you know, the, the fetish for younger yep. people being normalised because yep. I was noticing in the the crime rings that were brought down i mean these aren't high ranking officials they were guys in their 20s right that were the perpetrators right. so yes educating yeah. the perpetrators i yes. think is, is yeah. absolutely do go on yeah so that's that's a great point any any perpetrator from 16 years old onwards is a child sex offender so Anything under sixteen, um, they, you know, there's, there's been, they haven't really understood what we're doing. Again, we're talking about children having power, um, and oftentimes that is when sexual abuse happens by children who are older and more powerful than the younger child. Yes, but not really understanding what they're doing. Um, yes, not, not all the all the time, but you know, it's like from sixteen years old onwards. That's when you're 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 considered a pedophile, especially. If you're finding your age, you're attracted to ages of prepubescent children. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Indigenous Australian children are two to four times more likely to experience sexual abuse. Oh. Um, 60% of the time it's someone that the family trusts all, all over, so for all families. And remembering that child abuse happens at every socioeconomic level, all ethnicities, all cultural lines, all religions, every level of education. Um, it happens everywhere. So, you know, while it's two, two to five times more likely for Indigenous Australians to experience it, that doesn't mean it's not happening hugely in our in yes. all societies, cultures and yes. economic communities. Um, I lived with an Aboriginal woman that had been a survivor of the silent generation and her foster brother right. did it to her. Right. But I'd be interested to know, do you have any stats on whether or not it's higher for kids that are foster and in step families, I don't have like, those stats here, but mm. you know that that's that's another scary total. Yeah, scary I think thing. so too. Um, yeah. Go on. So the younger the child is, the more likely it is to be um, done by a family member. Um, so under the age of six years old, it's generally a family member. Forty percent mm-hmm. are by older, more powerful children. So really being diligent with um, who yeah. our children play with, who our children hang out with. Um, educating all all children on how you treat younger children what's not okay um, that's important yeah isn't it yep, hugely important um 40 done by older children exactly. that's really key yeah go on totally. great info um not and and remembering that it's not always a pedophile that's a child sex offender so it could be somebody who later in life is is just acting in a horrible way and needing to dominate and gain power for some reason um, they can then become perpetrators so generally speaking um, pedophilia happens at a younger age and will continue to happen whereas those who are sex offenders later in life aren't necessarily only attracted to children or aren't even attracted to children whereas pedophilia they are and what has been found is adolescent sex offenders who have um had to have been caught in what they've done to children respond to education and treatment so if we that's great news. exactly whereas with adults they don't that's it's it's there's the old dog can't you teach new tricks exactly right. so you know i couldn't find hardly any resources where any kind of treatment was working very well um with older generation but with teens and and yeah, with adolescent sex offenders if they are you know they're still at this malleable Petulally. age where we can influence the way they think and they feel and they respond really, really well to, um, to treatment. So for adolescents, it would be more along the lines of, um, you know, finding, uh, going into the kink community and finding adults to role play with and to um, still be able to act out because imagination is very powerful, um, mm-hmm. but finding ways to do consensual acts. So there's something called consensual non-consent where people play out rape fantasies and other sort of yep. fantasies where um everyone no one is being harmed in the process so i hear you i mean even the thing of women wearing baby doll nighties yeah you can't tell yep. me that's not you know right. daddy can right. fuck me right. you know <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> Just spell that out um, um yes so, do go on or the the men that want their prostitutes to put a nappy on yeah you, right. you know what i mean right. it's, yeah, yep, it's all this unhealed 
childhood stuff in the cycle yeah so much of it and you know when you think about it we all when we're in our you know 12 to 18 we we have this crazy surge of hormones and we are Mm -hmm. so oppressed we don't know what to do with them we feel guilty we feel shame there's no there is no wonder that there is some kind of unhealthy um obsession and and um holding on to and um with that kind of age and that there's no initiation there's no you know, we're just kind of gone from child who whatever playing, if, I, if they touch their genitals, they're not even really thinking about it because they're all just one to suddenly it's like, oh, I have genitals. Oh, I have sexual energy. And but now I have to hide it and feel bad about it. So, you know, there's so much healing to do there with um, teaching our children. Healing and education. Huge. That's the way forward. Hugely. That's res- exactly. Yeah education, diligent protection, informing our children as early as possible, um, you know, not and the fact that, you know, it's such a huge amount under six is by family members, you know, it's so hard to think that people that we love and trust could do anything to our, to our child. So, you know, I know for me and for my mum's protection over me, she had very few select people she would leave me with. And if she couldn't leave me with them, she would not leave me with the others that seemed safe, but she in her heart couldn't do it. And just listening to her heart, listening to her womb, listening to that voice, yeah, that intuition, yeah, exactly yep. that, you know, other people might think isn't, isn't fit or fair, but I was protected by it. And so was my brother. So, and listen to our kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The kid comes home from a play date and they're acting out. Yeah. Know, sit down and have a chat with them right yeah walloping them yeah you know what I mean yeah. like okay yeah. you're okay is there anything you need to talk about right. like right. you know it's a flag yeah 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 look I, I think we've you know good god what a ride right um thanks to those of us you that stayed with us till the end um you know I just really I would encourage you to share this because it is something that we we need to acknowledge if so long as we don't acknowledge right. the extent of it um we're not yeah absolutely yeah so because um, if the thing it is yeah. it is happening <laughs> we can't absolutely deny it. It, is. it exists and to an extent that we i don't think even we can comprehend yeah absolutely but Bless the craziness of 2020. Um, it is bringing it all out and um, we look forward to, um, you know, that then paving a way for a new way forward of healing, of education, of appropriate initiations mm-hmm. and the return of sacred uh, sexuality. It's been a pleasure as always, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you as well for all of your research and your care and dedication. Oh, God, you too. You're the one that did a bloody research paper on it. All those terms, my God. I um, I look forward to co-creating a course online with you to initiate young people mm. into how to honour their bodies. Uh, maybe that's something we can look at bringing out in 2021. Mm, beautiful. I'd love that. Mm. And thanks to those of you who have been so loyal and who have written us the most beautiful testimonials mm. and reviews. They absolutely light us up. I, whenever I get one, I, I email it to Christy straight away. So thank you so much for cheering us on. We're very grateful for your loyalty. Thank you so much. Though. All right. Ciao for now. Ciao. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for joining us. If you'd love to uh, catch future episodes, head on over to Spotify and uh, click follow. And if you'd like to find out more about my work, you can head over to the Moon Woman. That's M-O-O-N woman.com. And if you want to find out a bit more about me and the work that I do, you can go to yonilicious.com.au or you can find me on Instagram where I'm more active at yonilicious. Y-O-N-I-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. Beautiful. Have a great day. Bye.